Thank you so much. So good to see you today and to be a part of what's happening here today in worship. We welcome you once again if you're here in person, if you're online, or even in one of our overflow rooms. Appreciate those who are hosting so that uh, even more space is needed for you to feel comfortable. We want you to be able to come and be a part of worship. Today is Faith Commitment Sunday for our uh, campaign that is beginning. So if you're visiting here with us today, we invite you just kind of to watch and see what's happening today with our faith commitment. And uh, we encourage you, if you have not already, we have many who made commitments because our Commitment Sunday was to be back in March. And so many actually did it that week or that Sunday, even though we didn't meet, and uh, have made commitments and they continue to do. So, but if you'd like to, as an act of worship, we're not going to double your portion. Many have turned in the first Sunday, even uh, in the first service, even though it may have already done so, and they've continued to do so. We've got many new commitments today uh, as well. So just as I have mine and my families, if you've got yours and uh, you have ready to turn that in, we will give you an opportunity to be able to do that as an act of worship today. And this is, of course, three-year commitment from begins now in January of 21 and goes through December of 23, that three-year commitment pay off our debt and to provide for more avenues of ministry and uh, we appreciate the ways in which others but I want to just have a quick word of prayer for you today and it's been explained how you're able to do that you're able to do that of course in person online you've got your phone with you you can uh uh, take that uh, QR code and uh, go right to that website. You can do it here in worship. It's okay that uh, you do that as a part. If you're home, uh, you certainly can do that. Go to the website and find your place to be able to do that. Now, I don't know if it affects people that may be watching today. I know we have a few of our senior adults who do not have internet, and they actually listen to our worship service. A family member plays it on their uh, on their TV, smart TV, or on their internet, and they listen to it on the phone at home. Now, you've got to be highly motivated to do that, and we appreciate that. So, you can't send it online. Most of the ones that I know know my phone number. Feel free to text me as a part of worship. It'll be all right. We'll turn in that number uh, to the folks that are, are having that. Now, uh, this is kind of different today. We're doing a little bit of an up-to-date because of it. Those who turned it in, we gave you the... Uh, I think we gave that to you earlier what, that, uh, what had been given through the end of the church year at August 31st. And so through the first service, 662, 7, so through the first service up until the first 25 minutes of this service, we've now had given $783,000 that has been committed toward that. Now, that's good. If you want to give the Lord an applause for how that's going, I think that'd be okay if you'd be able to do that. Let's pray and commit ourselves to the Lord at this time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you even now. We thank you, Father, for having the opportunity to take part in your work. We pray, Father, that you will take our commitments, you'll take the money that is given, you'll take our willingness to serve, Father, and you'll use it for a great capacity for ministry and kingdom building. We pray now even... Father, for those in this service that are contemplating, maybe they thought about it now, and whether to commit or not, we pray that you may continue to be with those who are ready to give and ready to make those commitments. And we thank you, Father, for those opportunities to be able to do that. Now, Father, lead, guide, and direct us in this service. Show us what your word has to say to us today so that we might make the correct application for our lives and for our church. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We have those who are standing ready. If you have a... Uh, 
commitment cards. You've not turned it in yet. Just hold it up for just a moment. They'll get to you as we're going. If you've got that ready, please feel free to do that, or you can do that on your phone. Got some down here at the front. Just hold it up. They're going to see you before it's over. I see you, and uh, they'll, they'll get to you. Thank you so much for turning those in. Let me just say a word about our first fruits Sunday. Normally we have a capital campaign. We might have a first fruits day in which we ask people to give maybe a double portion First of their giving, a larger portion usually given on that day, but we're not having a particular Sunday because many have already given their first fruits and many have already started giving. So what we're doing is everything that has been given and will be given now through January the 10th, we're really beginning the 1st of January, through January the 10th will be part of our first fruits giving. As a matter of fact, I've got my check here written. I encourage you to join along with me as far as first fruits goes. You don't have to give it today, but anything that is given, usually a double portion. We're trying to be scriptural in all of these things in following the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I do want to take notice to our theme verse for our campaigns found in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. I'm giving you Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It should be there on your screen. It says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that is at work in us. Verse 21 reads, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we will probably note that here again for today. We're kind of coming to the conclusion of what we have uh, been looking at in our series on uh, the escape zone and looking at the life of Moses. So we're going to tie it all up together. We're going to talk a little bit about finances. We're going to talk a little bit about faith, the faith of Moses and the faith of us, and as well about uh, our future as well. You might notice there are three scriptures that are mentioned there. If you've got your notes, it's Exodus chapter 35, Numbers 20, and Deuteronomy 34. I don't want to lose anybody along the way today. So we're going to kind of make it simple and easy maybe for you to follow along, be able to understand. If you want to go to one of these scriptures, I encourage you to go to Numbers chapter 20. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 13 here in just a moment. From Exodus and in Deuteronomy, we're going to spend a few minutes on each one, hopefully in the time allotted that you have given and to keep your attention uh, today. And uh, as the other scripture will be on the screen for you to be able to follow along. The last episode that we looked at, according to what was happening in the life of Moses and the Israelites, they had found themselves at the place called Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea, to where the 12 spies had gone in, 10 had come back and given a bad report. And because of their lack of faith, we know that the Israelites were no longer going to be able to follow God's plan and be able to go into the promised land. But instead, they would turn away and they would begin to walk in the wilderness of those of all uh, not being able to follow all that God would have us to do. Well, today we're going to give a little bit of an overview of what the Israelites did and what God was preparing for the next generation during that 38 and during those 40 years. I say 38 years because it took them two years to get from the land of Egypt. Through the wilderness, they came to Mount Sinai for a time. They had delays, of course, before they got to Kadesh Barnea the very first time. And then 38 years they would spend in the wilderness again. All who were over the age of 20 would die in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. But God was preparing them for what was about to take place. Here's what I want us to do today as we kind of summarize those things that are happening. I hope that you will see this as maybe a preparation time for what's going to be happening in a post-pandemic world. 
so that as we move forward to be prepared for what God wants to do in this generation and the next generation so that we might be able to be strengthened in our faith so that we might be able to minister to one another and so that we might be able to reach a lost world for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This generation of Israelites had some tough moments. In fact, most of the time we talk about Israel, we're often talking about the things that they did wrong and we're talking about the things that Moses did right. Today it's going to be a little bit of an upside-down world because we're going to talk about the Israelites, they something that they finally got right while Moses did something wrong and had to pay the consequences for it. Exodus chapter 35, the Israelites, they have given, began to give offerings for the work that was to be done to be building the tabernacle. In fact, we find the place to where God had called them to be able to build the tabernacle, which became a pretty important thing for the Israelites. This was the place in which God dwelt, the tabernacle. Before that, there was the tent of meeting. When they left Egypt, there was a tent of meeting that was in the middle of the camp. It had to be moved outside the camp because of their disobedience. But then the people were called to be able to build the tabernacle. The Lord would then meet with the people as He did at the tent of meeting. Then in the tabernacle, still sometimes referred to as the tent of meeting. And then, you know, they continued to use the tabernacle. It was like a mobile chapel that they would move from place to place. And they would gather it up. They'd move it to the next camp wherever they would be and uh, set it up again and so on and so forth until they got to the promised land, until finally it was in Jerusalem. Until the time of, through King David, until the time of King Solomon, who would build the first temple. And it was the place in which God dwelt. And then we know, because of what Christ did for us on the cross and because of His crucifixion and His resurrection, we know that now we have access and God indwells all those who are true believers. But in Exodus chapter 35, they were called on to build the tabernacle and they built it. The Israelites gave offerings for the work that would be done. In fact, in Exodus chapter 35 and 36, in a nutshell, here's the lesson. Are you ready for this? It is that when people's hearts are right with the Lord, they freely give of themselves and their resources to the Lord's work. So may that happen here for us today. May our hearts be right with the Lord Jesus. But I want to, we're not going to read the whole chapter, of course, in Exodus 35, but I want to point out a few verses of what was happening there. Some of this is a reminder of the things. In fact, we, we talked about some of these very things back in March the week before the pandemic hit because we were in preparation for the first Faith Commitment Sunday. Thus, we're back again. We're kind of reviewing a little bit and, and moving forward. But next is chapter 35 and verse 5. It says this, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze. Do you, where in the wilderness would they get gold, silver, and bronze? Some of you know, you remember, they plundered the Egyptians and the Egyptians freely gave it to them. And so they had some material resources there with them. Verse, verses 21 and 22 says this, And they came, everyone whose hearts stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. And then we'll skip down to verse 29. All the men and the women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commended by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. 
uh, we find that God wishes to stir the hearts of uh, His people so that even today we might be able to take care of all the church's needs, all the body of Christ, so that we might be able to minister to one another and so that we might be able to see more people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. If your heart is not stirred, we're talking a little bit about finances today. We don't every Sunday, but we do sometimes. But if your heart is not stirred to give, if your heart is not stirred to serve, well, it may be that the Lord has not chosen for you to give or to serve. Or it may be that the Lord has chosen for you to give or to serve, but sometimes we can be so far enough removed that when the Lord does the stirring, you don't feel a thing. We also find in the text their spirits were willing, which means sometimes God can stir our hearts, but we still be unwilling. We sometimes still want to hang on to what's ours. You remember, of course, the New Testament passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, where it says, God loves a cheerful giver. There should be a sense of desire to give among God's children so that we might be able to anticipate. Even today, as you're giving today or people are giving online, we're adding all those things up. You know, it's kind of anticipation. We're going to give the number one more time at the end of the service, and we know it's going to continue kind of to... I started to say trickle in. We hope it pours in, you know, in the days to come as people continue to make those commitments. And we're not telling you today or necessarily talking about what has been given so far, though God's people have been generous to give already, and, uh, and the Lord has blessed, and we give Him all the glory uh, for that. But I believe the Lord continues to bless our church, and I don't mean just, I don't mean financially at all, but if the Lord continues to give us opportunities for ministry, in the decades of the 20s, in the next five to 10 years, we're going to have to make some decisions about what we're going to do in order to continue to increase our ministry, in order to provide for new members and new guests and the different things that we hope that the Lord will continue to do in the new year. We want to be ready for that. One of the very practical things that we've got to do to be ready is to, be, is to get out of debt and to be debt-free. There were a people at one time that came into debt. They decided some years ago, we've been into debt several times, but last time to build this children's building in order that we might have more avenues for ministry. Well, now we're at the season of life and the season of life of this church so that we might be able to pay that off so that we might have more avenues for ministry. We certainly believe that the building did that. We certainly believe that paying it off will do that as well. If God stirs the hearts, and if we are willing, the Lord will do a great and wonderful work in our midst. Do you know it's God's desire always to grow the church? I mean, think of some of Jesus' parables. He was always talking about a seed to be planted to grow to be a big tree or a big, a big uh, uh, bush. Or he talked about the branch that was growing in order that it might be able to produce fruit. So the Lord's wanting us to grow. Now, he wants us to grow in discipleship and worship and ministering for those things to enlarge and increase so that we might become more like Christ, that we might not just grow uh, wide, but that we might grow deep. He wants us to grow in other ways in order that we might be able to reach more people, not, believe, not just in the community, but around the world. He wants us to grow in missions and see more and more people come to know Christ through the mission work that's going to take place. And yes, God wants us to grow in number. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. We are the body of Christ. We're continuing to want to seek to reach more and more people for Christ. We want to reach more lost people for Christ. 
It's okay that we have more people who are either moving in or they decide Parkway is going to be their church. They're already believers. But even then, we want those people to come not just because we got a comfortable chair to sit in. We want them to come be a part of Parkway because they believe in the mission. More people come to know Christ. Enlargement of ministry. Uh, touring Westminster Abbey in London. I think I've given this before, but... Uh, Westminster Abbey was built, began to be built in 1047. Somebody asked, how long did it take to build this church? The answer from the tour guide was, well, I'll let you know when we get through. It's been a thousand years. We hadn't finished yet. You can be sure God's not finished building this church. Should we be led to ever build again? Whether it be build onto this building, plant a church, whatever it is. The building of the building is not the objective. The objective is is to be on mission for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The mission is to be able to lead others to know Him. And if you're wondering, who's going to do all this? Well, look around. The Lord's going to use the resources of God's people here at Parkway and for whatever we've got in, right in front of us, for whatever we have in front of us for the future. Do you think you might be unlikely people? I mean, look around, look at your pastor. You might think that's an unlikely pastor to lead us to where we're going, but... Think of the Israelites who built the tabernacle. They were unlikely people. Matter of fact, most of the time they were considered a stubborn, uh, even a people that were uh, considered stiff-necked, impatient, corrupt, and full of iniquity. But when it came to building the tabernacle, they came through with flying colors. They gave of their time, talents, and resources to build a beautiful tabernacle to represent the true and living God. I want you to notice these attributes that are here. Not necessarily in your notes, but you might want to write them down and it'd be okay. But God's people, for this particular episode of building the tabernacle, they were equipped and they were qualified. Somewhere along the way, I guess, as slaves in Egypt, they learned to be, some of them learned to be craftsmen and builders, and God prepared them for this very thing. They were equipped and qualified. Also, they gave great attention to detail and quality. Notice what they gave. Gold, silver, and bronze. Somebody has gone through, probably more than one person, and estimated that in order to build this according to the way that was explained for us in Exodus... One ton of gold, it took three and a quarter ton of silver, two and a quarter tons of bronze. So they paid attention to quality and craftsmanship. And they were uh, also willing to work and to give. I believe with all my heart, if the cause is worthy and the money and the resources are handled wisely, most people are in. Well, can I tell you, when it comes to what the Lord wants to do at His church, the cause is worthy. And we will bend over backwards to be sure that we do everything with integrity and with transparency. If God's church is going to grow, it will take this, these things. Yes, we are sinful, inadequate for the task, but because of God's grace and His forgiveness, if we put ourselves in God's hands, He's able to do a great work. Israelites, it says, we read a moment ago, everyone whose heart is stirred must come and do the work. Old Testament, New Testament, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. So we might need to ask, are there adjustments that need to be made in each of our lives so that we might be able to fulfill the task that the Lord has for us for today and for the future? What will happen when, we hit, when there are willing hearts? Well, I think what we find from the example in Exodus 35, and we're going to look at Exodus 36, there is an overflowing. Exodus chapter 36, 
follow along with me on your screen or if you've got your Bibles open, look at verse 3 and following. It says, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing them free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. Verse 5 reads, And said, they said to Moses, The people being much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command. Are you following all what's going on here? The word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. Some of you have been in church for a long time. You've probably never heard a preacher say, we're not taking an offering this morning because too much was given last week. Listen, maybe I'm not as optimistic as I feel like I need to be, but uh, I, I kind of doubt that's going to happen anytime soon, but there will be an overflowing when our hearts are stirred and we follow the Lord Jesus. So often we worry about the future, what's going to happen with us individually, even sometimes what's going to happen in the church, but we can testify that God has never let us down. Let's amen Paul's prayer in Ephesians. We read a moment ago, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than all that we ask, think, or imagine. So what about your finances? Finally, we get to your notes and there's going to be a blank there. What about your finances? Hebrews chapter, 10 verse, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, Everything belongs to God and all things were created by His power. So that there's no misunderstanding as we talk about our faith commitment Sunday and giving uh, to this campaign. We encourage you to do that over and above your tithes and offerings. But whatever you give, let it be a reflection that everything that you have belongs to the Lord. All that you have belongs to Him and we are simply stewards of what He has given. One of the things Israelites did during the 40 years was to build the tabernacle of God. After two years, they found themselves in the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea, unable to go into the promised land. They had to turn back into the wilderness 38 more years, 40 years altogether. 38 years later, many of the Israelites had already passed. New generation had come. Many of the adults had, passed, had, had died in the wilderness. They come. If you've got your Bibles open to Numbers 20, notice where they come to. They find themselves in verse 1, they're in Kadesh again. The Lord's led them 38 years later back to the same place, back to Kadesh. There Miriam dies. Aaron's not died yet, but it won't be long before he has. New generation has come. But there's a similar problem that takes place. The Israelites, they're complaining again. They guess they've learned that from their parents because they're complaining again that there's no water. Now, Listen, dying of thirst is a very serious thing, but they wonder how they're all going to perish. They said again, like their forefathers did, said, would that we have died with our forefathers in the wilderness, or had we, would that we have stayed in Egypt. But here we're going to die here at Kadesh because there's no water. I want you to notice what happens. We'll pick up the story in verse 7. Numbers chapter 20, verse 7 reads like this. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff... And assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. 
And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. The water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Verse 13 says, In the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. Most people, most churchgoers, who know that Moses didn't make it into the promised land, for some reason, most of us think that Moses didn't make it into the promised land because he threw down the tablets when he came down the mountain when he found that the people were worshiping the golden calf. But that wasn't the reason. In fact, we might call that righteous indignation. God gave him the Ten Commandments again. He was angry at the things that God was angry with. This is the reason that the Bible says that Moses did not enter into the promised land and was not able to be allowed to go because of what happened here at this rock. This kind of thing's happened before, of course, to where he was supposed to strike the rock and water did come out. And I've heard... I've heard arguments as to exactly why Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. I mean, from our perspective, it seems a little harsh, does it not? 120 years, God had prepared Moses 40 years in the wilderness, and now he's right there, almost time to go into the promised land, and God says, you're not going to go. From our perspective, it seems just a little bit harsh, maybe even from just my perspective. I've heard some arguments about this that says, well, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Even the Bible talks about for those who are leaders and preachers and teachers are held even to a greater extent and greater account. So it does remind us that uh, we need to be sure and be careful uh, about being obedient to the Lord as well. I've also heard the argument Moses may have had some anger issues. I mean, after all, uh, he struck down an Egyptian earlier in his life and now we find him that he strikes a rock twice when he wasn't supposed to. And uh, maybe he didn't have the kind of disposition that it took in order to go into the promised land. That was more of a leader like Joshua. He didn't need to take his anger issues there to go and defeat the enemies that were in Canaan. But I don't know about those arguments. I mean, here was Moses, whom the Lord said was the meekest person on the planet. I don't buy those necessarily, but I do want us to look at clues as to why such a harsh punishment. We know why, but why such a harsh punishment? Let's look, look at the clues, if you would. One of those is that he struck the rock, though God said, speak. Verse 8, God told him, just tell the rock to yield forth its water. Let the water come from the rock, just as it had done before, but he didn't speak to the rock at that time. But instead, Moses, in disobedience, he struck the rock, not once, but twice. In an uncharacteristic way, he yelled back at them. Did you notice when we read it a moment ago? He says, you rebels, which is probably a little bit more disparaging than actually how we're hearing that said today and how well, maybe what we would think about it. But we can sympathize with Moses, and they still complaining, speaking ill of Moses and God. It's a reminder, though, that no one's perfect. All of us are sinners, all of us. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even in the best of us are in need of forgiveness. Graciously, God still provided water for the people who were in need. 
I suppose if God were waiting for perfection to answer prayers, no prayer would ever be answered. But how important it is we understand to be obedient even in what we think are the small things. Be obedient in every detail know that we're seeking to please Him. But there's another clue for us, and that is that God said, because you did not believe. Verse 12 said, you did not believe because of His disbelief. The Lord said to Moses, because you did not believe in me to show me as holy before the people. What did Moses not believe? Is it? Could it be that he did not believe he could just speak to the rock and the rock would flow? We know about nearly 40 years ago, before they had been at Mount Sinai, and there was a rock, and the Lord told him to strike the rock, and the rock yielded its water. Here in this case, the Lord told him to speak, but instead he struck it, and he struck it twice. Perhaps he was thinking he needed to help God out just a little bit. How many of you truly believe that all you have to do is ask and God hears your prayers and He wants to answer your prayers? Or do you feel like, well, I need to help God out a little bit? Or I need to depend on myself, my own possessions, or what I can do instead of relying on God alone? Well, was it really that big a deal that Moses struck the rock a couple of times? He'd done that before. But the difference was not just in his actions, talking about belief. The difference was what was in his heart. So it certainly has to... One of the clues is something that he did the wrong action. God told him to speak, but he struck the rock twice. But it wasn't just in his actions. It's because of what was in his heart. But there's another clue, and this might be most important. Moses said in verse 10, Shall we bring water for you? And by doing so, he dishonored God. Notice the pronoun we. When he... When he said we, I don't think he's talking about he and God, but even that would have dishonored God. I think he's talking about he and Aaron. He said, we're going to bring rock for, for you again. We're going to do that? Whenever we give ourselves credit or honor or glory for that which belongs to God, we know that it is a great sin. Let's be sure. Here we are. We're talking about our faith campaign already. We've got some great commitments already. We've had much that's been given to the faith campaign. We're fully expecting to reach our goals of paying off our debt, $1.3 million over the next three years. But let's be sure when, when those are reached. It's, we don't point to ourselves. Let's be careful in all things and to know that God gets the glory. We've noticed from... Exodus chapter 35, we talked about what are your finances. In Numbers 20, we talk about what about your faith? What about your faith? Well, do you remember the clues of Moses' sin? Disobedience, disbelief, and dishonor. What about your faith? A growing faith results in living obedience, daily trust, and honoring Christ and not self. Let me say it again, or it's on the screen. A growing faith results in living obedience daily trust in honoring Christ and not self. Deuteronomy chapter 34. We're going to read some of that on the screen. If you want to turn to it, that'd be fine. It tells us, helps us to understand exactly what happened to Moses. In fact, in chapter 34 and verse 1, it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land. Now, this is not Pisgah, Alabama. 
However, anybody ever been to Pisgah, Alabama that overlooks Tennessee River? There's Raccoon Creek and Gorham's Bluff and names that only Alabama people probably could come up with. Probably, surely, named for that because of the Pisgah on Mount Nebo and what was overlooked. Well, what Moses saw was surely greater than Raccoon Creek or greater than Tennessee River that you can see there in Pisgah, Alabama. Notice, that we're going to pick up Deuteronomy 34 and verse 4. It says, And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it your offspring. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Tells him again. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And the Lord buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died, but his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people met, people wept and mourned for Moses for 30 days. Well, the Lord took him up to the top of the mountain. This may be kind of what it looks like today, but this may be what Moses saw when he looked out over the mountain and saw uh, the Holy Land or the land of promise. In fact, on top of Mount Nebo today, there at Pisgah, there's a memorial to Moses. This is the memorial that's there. Some believe this is where he was buried, but the Bible clearly tells us that he was buried in the valley and that nobody knows where he was buried. It's kind of a sad ending to one of the greatest patriarchs of the Bible, is it not? I mean, it just seems that way for me. And it's okay for us to have those feelings about that and we think about that particular thing that Moses was only able to see into the promised land. I've made the argument over the last few weeks and months even that you're able to see more of and to experience more of God than Moses did. You're able to see and to experience more of the promised land than Moses did. Now, we believe he's experienced more now as a person of faith and because of God's grace. Here's kind of a trivia question if you ever asked. may not be that hard of a question now that we've talked about this. Did Moses ever make it to the promised land? Well, if you shake your head no, we know that there was Jesus who on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's there with none other. He's transformed. He's there with none other than who? Elijah and Moses. As if to say that Jesus, who is greater than, but who always pointed to the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, everyone was always pointing to Jesus. Moses' life always pointed to Jesus, to the fact that Israel were the ones in which was the people of promise in which one would be born who would come and would be able to bring us salvation so that we might be able to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34. We've talked already about what about your finances? What about your faith? Well, what about your future? You may be thinking today that you've done lots worse things than Moses. And what chance do you have? <laughs> Moses wasn't able to experience the promised land. But you're able to experience it even today. We're not talking about just a home in heaven, although that is the greatest gift to be able to be with Christ forever and ever. But we're talking not living in Egypt to where we're always living in sin, not living in the wilderness to where we're, even as God's people, are wondering uh, what life is about, what is our purpose, what, our, what is our plan, but instead living with purpose and living with joy and knowing that we know Jesus Christ 
as our Lord and Savior. All of us are on a spiritual journey. Some of us have been on a journey for a long time. Some of you are just beginning your journey. Some of you are at the place today, either here or maybe you're listening today, and you need to begin that journey with the Lord Jesus, asking Christ to save you and to be your Lord and Master. Moses had just a glimpse of the promised land. But you can have more than just a glimpse of God's plan. You can take part in God's greatest work in serving Jesus. Chances are, you and I, we're going to spend the rest of our journey, if you're a believer, being convinced or trying to be convinced that the spiritual riches of the kingdom of God are more important and much, much greater than the riches or the power or the prestige or the popularity of this world. But here's a couple of verses maybe that might help. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says, You know our Lord Jesus Christ treated us with undeserved grace by giving up all His riches so you could become rich. And Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Well, maybe you learned today, maybe you were just reminded today what happened to Moses. We've talked today about what about your finances? We've talked today about what about your faith? We've talked today what about your future? But the real question is, what about you? Are you ready to move forward? Whether it is that you need to move forward and take in the step that says, yes, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior to call upon Him, ask Him to forgive you of your sin, ask Christ to come in. Or it's to move forward and say, you know, I'm no longer going to be living in the wilderness. I'm no longer going to be sure that every effort's just on this world and the things that I can attain or the things that I can have in this world, the things of this world that will make me happy, but instead I'm going to pursue Jesus. And not just to make me happy, but I'm going to try to make God happy. And I'm going to try to please Him. Or maybe moving forward means I'm going to keep going in the direction God has for me right now. And I am encouraged to stay in the center of God's will. Keep moving forward one step in front of the other. Keep seeking to serve Him and live for Him every day. Be ready to move forward. Let me pray for you. In Christ's name, we come to you even today. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have called us into service, whether it be about our finances, our growing faith, or the future. We pray that we may turn it all over to you. We pray, Father, that there's one who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation. Thank you for your call upon our life to follow and to serve you. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers.